Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Kingdom 101 Relationships. I am Pastor Lanzine Lee of Astounding Love, a Global Church Fellowship um, and Training Center. And this is our Wednesday night Bible study. We apologize. We were not here last week. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. And I thought, hey, maybe I'll be able to catch up and just do an interim teaching. But that did not happen. So maybe I'll do double time. <laughs> not today. But um, we'll, we'll do some catching up. So what I want to do tonight, we're going to... Um, we're going to open up in prayer, of course. And afterwards, what we're going to do is kind of open up this discussion. I'm going to talk about, uh, we're going to continue talking about victory in the overcoming power of grace. And this is all part of kingdom relationships. And as you all know, we do a lot of things where we talk about relationship with ourselves, relationship with God, as well as relationship with others. But this is one of those almost like it's, it's not even taking a backward step. It's after having had some of the other conversations that we've had, we want to press into where we start to manifest the things of the kingdom. And in order to be able to do that, we're going to have to be in alignment with the ways of God. Now, if you don't want to walk in kingdom, if you want to walk in your own understanding, if you want to walk in the things of the of the of the world that you grew up in and if you even want to live according to your mind your will and emotions then maybe this step is not necessary but if we plan which i believe we do to walk in the things of god and to walk in the kingdom and in fellowship with him then the only way to successfully navigate that's a great word to 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 successfully walk in the power of the kingdom we have to do it in agreement with god and one of the things that i believe has been our downfall is that so many of us live a life from from the time that we become aware of struggles what we refer to as struggles and you may be familiar with an expression like the struggle is real uh but we go through all of these different challenges in life and seem to live a defeated type of existence. If something comes against us, be it a, a, a we call them habits, um, an addiction, um, which is a formalized habit. It's something that we have, have practiced so much that we got good at it and, and, it, and it, we depend on stuff other than God. I think that uh, uh, sometimes what an addiction can be spiritually, if you're looking at it from the spirit realm, it is a, defile, a, a defiling of ourselves and it's defying what the word of God said, because he says, you shall have no other gods before me. But here I am addicted to something. I can't not have it. I always have to serve it. It's like you go to the altar of a cigarette, you go to the altar of a whatever it happens to be. And I'm not, um, I'm not attacking uh, anything that you may be doing, but I do want to possibly provoke you to want to attack it and to overcome it and to start to live in a, a different type of life, a, a, a different type of power. So what we're talking about then is that successful power to overcome. I have a lot of scriptures on this and most of them are on another computer um, so I don't have necessarily those parts with me, but this is something that is going to be ongoing until we get so many reports, until each one of us has a testimony upon testimony upon testimony about how 
the spirit of God, the power of God, the word of God, the grace of God enabled us to destroy the enemies and the things that have been coming against us. This is the objective. And our training center, our ministry is called, our church is called Astounding Love, a global church fellowship and training center. We are not church as usual, meaning we don't have the choir we don't have, uh, we don't, that's not the operating level that we do. Our mission, our assignment is to build leaders and to train people, not only to overcome in the, in this, in the lives and in the areas where we have it. And if you think about how God is, one of his names is Jehovah um, Nisi, God, the Lord is our banner. The Lord is the banner. Well, a banner is a standard. And that's another word that is forward. And, and in kingdom terms, the standard was always established or the flag was set into place or the banner, as it is also called, was put into the ground to say this territory has been claimed for the kingdom. Whatever the kingdom was, you would say we claim this kingdom um, or we claim this territory in the name of the king and the name of the kingdom. And that's how we can see Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, the God who not only fights for us, but sets the standard for our power to overcome. And so you can look at whatever the habit is, look at whatever. And I'm, I'm getting I'll I'll come back to this or come come at this from another direction. But let me just go ahead and say this as it's kind of coming through to me, but you could basically set that banner, set that thing in the name of the King and say, this territory, this habit, this struggle, this circumstance, this poverty, lack, scarcity, obesity, alcoholism, um, broken relationships, because all of those things are relationships, a relationship with food, a relationship with substance, a relationship with debt, a relationship with uh, uh, whatever it happens to be. But I'm claiming this kingdom. I'm setting the standard, the banner of my God, because another way that Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner is translated, is that he is the God that causes you to overcome in an area where you have never overcome before. That is one of the trans, uh, the ways that you can look at the Lord, my banner. I cause you to overcome. I cause you to triumph. I cause you to win. I cause you to have victory in these very places, in the land, in the desolated places that have always overcome you before, but in the name of the, the banner, God, the Lord, my banner, I overcome all of these different things. And that's really what it is that we're looking at when we talk about the spirit of grace, who is the power to overcome. It is the supernatural power of the word of God, the supernatural power of the love of God, the supernatural power of the joy of the Lord, the supernatural power of the blood of Jesus. And on and on it goes. It is the kingdom being made, uh, claiming that territory and saying your assignment before you succeed in winning many to the Lord, before you build this great, whatever it is that you think you're going to build, the first level of true supernatural kingdom power is going to be to overcome in the areas where we have been struggling. I think that sometimes struggling is a habit 
I believe that there are so, some people that think of it as a badge of honor, that I have these wounds, I have these stripes, I have these cuts from my struggle with whatever it happens to be. And that because I'm still battling it and I'm still battling it, but you know, God isn't. And I believe that what he wants us to start to learn is that I want you to take the victory that I have provided for you and I want you to cut it loose, let it loose in the areas where, uh, where you haven't. So I can see Minister Frederick Johnson is here. I don't know who else in our team is here, but if you guys are, raise your hands or let me know. I'm going to go ahead and pray. That was an amazing, long, long um, introduction, but it certainly sets the step or it lets us know the direction that we're going to go in. And Father, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that this message, that these words that you release to us tonight that we are listening with hearing ears and we listen with hearts to receive. We listen in a, in a place of submission and a willingness to allow our lives to be transformed. We listen in a way that says that we give up excuses or relying upon them or being comfortable with them, but that there's a stirring of the gift, just as you told, as Paul instructed Timothy, to stir up the gift that has been released on the inside of us. And we praise you and we thank you that every ear that is inclined to hear wisdom will hear you, Holy Spirit, and will hear the instructions, will hear the next step that we are to take to press in and to move forward in the things of God, in the things of the kingdom, to allow our own lives to reflect the power of the words, God's kingdom come and will be done, that when they look at us, it is seen, it is known, it is recognized, and it is desired by more of us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So now if I were going to, um, one of my hallmark scriptures uh, when, it, when it comes to doing stuff like this, the hallmark scripture for me would be uh, Mark chapter 4, and it would be verse 11, which it reads basically that to us, I'm paraphrasing it, but to us, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And that it, for those that, uh, and I was in a Bible study, I think it was a week ago, and Minister Frederick was a part of it. And we were looking at that scripture and uh, we saw something in it. I want to go ahead and go there. We saw something in Mark chapter four, uh, verse 11, that I, I actually had never seen it until that day, until uh, last week when we were reading it. When it said in verse 10, Mark chapter 4, verse 10, it said that after Jesus, and I'll paraphrase, he was giving the parables of the kingdom is like a seed that is sown and this, the birds of the air, the fowl, they come and they take and this happens and this happens and this happens. And he was going through the cycles of how the word is sown and how it is, whether we pay attention or whether we're listening or how it, whatever it happens to be in our lives, this is how the word can be stolen from us. And I believe it's really until we have a heart to hear it, to obey it and to take it as our own. There is always that opportunity for darkness to move in because we we relax our vigil. We, we take it easy, we just, we take it for granted and sometimes we just, we, uh, we've missed it. So, but I think that he's also saying, but here's your opportunities in the layers. You could even look at it in your level of maturity. 
you could look at it in your level of maturity that this is uh, uh, as a as a as a, a as as an as an infant. I don't I don't really count uh, much of anything with the word. I just um, you know I listen to it and it's like fine one one one. I heard it. Are you feeding me anything? Are you taking care of me? And so you go through your own stages of growth of sonship. Are you even receiving that you're a son? Are you just taking it? Are you just wanting to be pampered? Uh, whatever the level is that you happen to be, that's also going to be the attitude that we take toward the word. Jesus told us to pay attention to how you hear, pay attention to what you hear. And, and if you or I are paying more attention to what others are saying or what other voices are documenting as being truth, and we're not listening to the voice of the spirit of truth, then we can very easily be caught off guard and taken into a, a different direction. And that's one of those things we don't want to do. So this is what he was taking them through with the parables. It, when you start taking hold of that word, you'll get that 30, that 60, that 100 fold. You'll start to go in and, and, and learn how to harvest, to learn how to plant and to harvest, to seed time and harvest, to seed time and harvest, because you'll recognize that you are the seed that has been planted. And this word is the seed that has been planted in you. And you as the seed in the earth are meant to flourish. But because we flourish in the earth as the word, the seed that has been planted in us flourishes in us and through us. So it is always, it's God's planting. I know people used to sing, he gave me beauty for ashes. It was based on Isaiah 60, I think it is. Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we would be oaks of righteousness. We would be the planting of the Lord. And the song sings that Jesus might be glorified. Well, in order for that to be so that we are tall trees, we are like trees that are planted by the rivers of water whose roots go down deep. And um, we start to flourish because we're being uh, nourished by the water. We're being nourished by the, by the, the light of the sun. And on and on it goes into those things then we have decisions to make at every single level. And let me know if I'm going too fast because I'm just kind of not trying to shoot it out at you, but I'm speaking it as it's coming to me. I don't, I have notes somewhere, but, <laughs> but um, I, right now I'm not operating from any of those, but here he said that, but in verse 10, Mark four, it says, but when he was alone, after he had given all of that and all of the crowds had gone away, it said that those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And we looked at that. and It was like the first time, I believe, for the folks that were that were in that particular study, those around him with the 12. And so it was not just the 12 that had walked with him, of which one at least really wasn't listening. And that was Judas Iscariot. But it was those that were around him. Also, they said, ah, we get the opportunity to. Um, to go in and hear this. It was like they got backstage passes. You know, Jesus has done everything. He's had the talk, but these people had the VIP pass so that they were, were not with the crowds that turned away and left the left the auditorium, left the place, and just got on and went out to have the after church dinner or snack or whatever. These people said, I want, there's more to this than, than what we're, we see. And so what did they do? They stayed, they pressed with the disciples, with the 12, and evidently they were welcome. And they asked him, those around him with the 12, it wasn't even any of the 12 that asked, it was those others that were like, excuse me, um, if this is the Q&A time, I've got a question for you. And they wanted to know, um, 
tell us about this parable. Tell and see all the time I always thought it was the disciples, but he he says it was those around him with the 12 asked him this question. And he said to them, to these others. Now see, because the, the 12 that were with him were included, already included in this. But here it is, he's saying, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Now, a parable is not something that's going to be taught that you cannot figure out. It was, it, but he said, but in the spirit, you see, we speak mysteries. But he said, but so seeing, they'll have the basic idea of the parable, but they may see, but they won't perceive. And hearing, they may hear, but they won't understand. At least they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And I've said this before. He was not saying and I don't want them to turn and I don't want them to find out and I don't want them to follow. That's not what he was saying. He was saying because they did not press in to the to the teacher. And yes, Yeshua, but the anointed one, the spirit of grace that was speaking through him because they did not come back to the source to find out what is being said and what is meant by it. They're not going to have the understanding because the spirit of grace is also the spirit of understanding. He is the strategist. He is the one that will show you how to walk in this. He is the one that will open this up to you and show you how this is applicable to your own life. And on and on it goes. And so he said, so do you not understand this parable? Because they had an idea. We know about how seeds work. We understand about this, but how is this applying to us? in terms of it being the kingdom. It's not just comparing. It's not just a comparable uh, illustration, but there's something that you're saying in this that connects to our lives. What do you mean by a sower? What do you mean by this? What is it that they're sowing? And on and on it goes. And he said then in my favorite verse, it's one of my very favorite verses of all time, Mark 4, 14, the sower sows the word. And so, he said, and then he started to go into it, but he spoke to a group of people outside of the 12. He spoke to a group of people that were pressing in people like you that said, I want to know more. I want to have a better understanding of what it is that you're talking about. Can you open this up to me? And he's saying eternally to us, to you, it's been given to know, not to those that are outside, but to those that will come inside, to those that will listen for my voice and come in, come in, come in, come in here, come and see, come and dine, come, come and be a part of what it is that I'm talking about. Now, let's go back to the grace to overcome. So here you are with whatever your habit is. Here you are with your temper it, it, um, issue. You get mad. You, you get upset with people when they act goofy or something. Or you have, uh, you know, you just fly off the handle. You have a temper thing. You, you all, you're insecure and it's, it, it's causing a problem for other people because you always needing assurance and you get, frankly, you start draining people. And so they don't want to be around you. You have paranoia. You think everybody's following you. You think that, that, uh, this and that and the other you walk in it. it so in other words, you're succumbing to the, to the influence of a spirit of fear or of suspicion or of this or that you, 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 complain all the time. If somebody asks you something to say something, uh, we would use the term positive. Q 
Can you can you tell me what's good about the situation? You can't find a bright side. You don't have a word that is ready in season that you can say, well, yeah, this is actually happening. However, the word of God says this. And so that you start to release the power of the kingdom into a circumstance. Um, it might be something like you, somebody owes you money and you weren't able to get the refund. You bought something and they never delivered and you waited too late for the uh, credit card company or for whatever the receipt, the receipt, you know, taking the receipt back. And they told you, well, okay, no, sorry, we can't help you because it's past the expiration. Now, some people will throw a temper tantrum. Some people will try to, you don't know who I am and, and do all kinds of goofball stuff. And some of us will just go, oh, well, that's that. And we end it right there because somebody told you no. But the Bible says that when a thief is caught, he has to repay. And the Bible also says that there's nothing missing and there's nothing broken. So this was money that was lost. And Jesus is real big about recovering all, everything. Even when they were feeding the multitudes, he was like, no, none of the crumbs. You could collect everything. And so it is that you can say, but you know what? The Lord perfects the things that concern me. And so, Father, I hand this situation off. And I know that heaven has a solution. And I speak to my money. And I tell you, you're going to return back to me. You're going to return to the credit card. You're going to return to the debit card, the checking account. You're going to return into my hands. Something will transpire. It doesn't need to be that it's coming from this source right anymore. But this debt uh, that was something that was incurred, and yet I never received. It was an unfair trade. I trust you to turn the situation around. I trust you. I know you perfect the things that concern me. And then you walk off, and every time the thing comes to mind, it's like, oh, Father, thank you, because I know. And surely something will happen. You'll get the amount of money. Somebody will say, I'm just impressed to give you $327.52, or, you know, don't ask me to repeat that number. But, um, you know, something along those lines will transpire and you will know, wow, or it's seven times that amount if it was stolen. But you will know that the Lord perfects even my mistakes, even my mistakes. He will come to me and say, I, I can take care of this. I'm going to cause you to triumph because you're no longer going to complain about this. You're no longer going to tell 10 and 15 people and go on a social media rant and do all these other things. You're going to speak the word and then be patient and watch the seed that you just sowed. Watch how it works, how it grows, how it, how it does things for you. It's an exercise of patience and it's a possession of your soul. It is no longer allowing your mind, your will, your emotions, your feelings, your, your, your uh, slanted, uh, slanted diet, um, a better word for that would be distorted point of view. You're going to stop looking at it from the world and you're going to start looking at your life where heaven has a solution for every situation. If heaven does not have a solution for every situation we find ourselves in, then Luke 137 is not true. But the angel told Mary, with God, all things are possible. And Jesus later said, no, nothing is impossible with God. So even my situation that seems like there's no it's, there is no solution. There's no way I'm going to get this money back. There's no way I'm going to be released from this debt. There's no way that this thing is going to turn around. There's no way that this uh, thing can leave my body. There's no way that I'll ever be able to walk. There's no way that I'll ever be able to pass this class or or get promoted on this job. There's no way that you, you stop saying that because Jesus actually told you I am the way. So there is a way. 
but it's not the way of man. It's the way of heaven. And it's finding out what your assignment is. Are you supposed to get the promotion? What is the assignment to the job? What is it that you're supposed to be doing? And whatever that happens to be, as you do it, you're supplied with everything. If I have any questions, please, please feel free to, um, to put them there. So that first scripture I gave y'all was Mark chapter four. And we basically, and you could say one through 14, but we really looked at verses 10 and 11 uh, or 10 through 14. And that's what we were doing uh, because the Bible is letting us know over and over again, this is how you start to overcome. You're going to live as a spirit in the earth. You don't live as a human soul. You have one. But that's not your identity. And so the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, therefore, there's now no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk, not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. So if we're walking according to the dictates of the spirit, it's because we're living as spirit. And suddenly we're able to start speaking the words of spirit to releasing spirit into spiritual situations. And you're going to see a turnaround because as long as you complain, you speak at a, let, let me borrow that word frequency. Um, you are, you're speaking at a lower level, a lower frequency, a lower sound wave than the actual situation. Complaining actually takes you beneath the um, the issue if your problem if your whatever your struggle is as soon as you or I start saying things like I can't do it it's just not going to work I told you something like this would happen this never works for me I've been trying this for this many years and nothing has worked you actually are speaking in a if I could posture you you have just bowed your knee to the circumstance. And the words that you speak put you beneath it. It does not put you above it because the words were designed to submit to the darkness, to submit to the situation, to submit to the, uh, the sickness, to submit to the bad news, whatever kind of news it would be, to submit to being broke, to submit to poverty, to submit to all of those other kind of things. That's actually what it does. Now, I'm going to pause myself because I told this woman if I saw her, I was going to say something. Hi, Serena. Hi, Serena. Welcome, Serena. <laughs> and Kimberly and everybody else that's here. I know Carlita is there someplace, but I told Serena I got opportunity to meet her in person on Sunday. And I said, as soon as I see you, I'm going to say hi. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Um, so here we go. You have to do, do, are you kidding what I'm saying? When you complain, when you feel depressed over a circumstance and you let those words about your discipline, I just thought this was going to work. I give up. I quit. You have bowed. You are speaking at a lower level, a lower frequency than the actual scenario. And that means you won't overcome because God speaks higher. His words are superior to it, but your words don't allow or don't give cause 
for the thing to change. There's no reason for you to be successful in your whatever your quest is to get out of debt or to get that job that you want or any of that because the words you spoke come beneath it. And so it's always something that you're striving to attain. You can't get it from underneath. You've got to get it from above. And so we have to speak the words of the kingdom, the words of grace, the words of power. We have to speak above the thing. We have to speak the only words that are going to cause these things, these circumstances to bow to the words that you speak. You have to release the words of the spirit of God and, 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 and things that are uh, subject to the name of Jesus. Why? Because the scripture tells you in Philippians that at his name, every knee shall bow, every, every tongue shall confess Jesus is Lord, okay, to the glory of God the Father. Nothing is able, not a sickness, not a disease, not a circumstance is able to ascend above the power of his name or a power of the word of God. His word is his name. He is the living word of God. So this is where you start to shift from the relationship with your with the debt, the relationship with the hurt, the relationship with the rejection or the uh, childishness, childishness or insecurity or unforgiveness or uh, and then the physical stuff, the the alcohol or the drugs or the the overeating or whatever it is. See, you cannot say that it has victory over you. You cannot use. You, we do not use those words. We don't use any words that the world is familiar with, that the world would say, yep, that's just the way it goes. The struggle is real. Uh, yeah, it is. The struggle is real, but the victory is real too. <laughs> the struggle is real, but the word of God is real. It's even more real. It is the actual reality. The only place that the struggle is real is in the earth, but in heaven, the victory is real. And your job is to bring the reality of victory, the reality of overcoming life into the earth, into uh, to, to address those situations. It's kind of like just seeing the word go, let me at him, let me at him. <laughs> the word's gonna, the word will, will do, he does, his word does what he says. And so it's always looking for a place to be the dynamo, be the dynamite, be the power, be the be the solution, be the atmosphere changer. The word of God, if, if I can use a, I hope nobody gets offended by this, but it's like the word of God says the party don't get started till I get there. And when the word shows up, it's like everything changes. The whole atmosphere changes like, whoa, the word just walked in. Woo, everything is on now, baby, because the word of God just showed up. And when the word of God shows up, everything starts popping. Everything starts snapping, crackling, coming into line because because you want to borrow I'll paraphrase something but y'all remember this maybe from a 19 i think it was a 1990s tv show but the word jesus don't play that <laughs> okay you know uh, uh 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 what do you call it um defeat jesus don't play that um how about uh overcome being overcome by sorrow jesus don't play that uh, death having victory over life jesus don't play that 
it's like you could say Holy Spirit is, is if, if you're asking Holy Spirit to be the one to play the theme music, he don't have any of those things in his. He's not that kind of DJ. He's got the truth. He has the he has the power, the fire, the crackling, the sizzling of the of the kingdom of God and the victory is all in it. So everything else starts snapping into place. I don't care how wrecked the situation is. And people talk about, well, somebody died and this happened and that happened. I understand all those things have happened. But what you're looking at is the train wreck that it left, the devastation. What are we going to do? How do we recover? Because that's where many people start walking around defeated. You can't. They said, well, you know, the person is already dead and buried. And, okay, great. So, no, you're not going to go get them or this or that. But the sickness, but while they're still in the hospital, there's a word to speak. While they're still, you know, doing this and so, yeah, but sometimes we pray over them and they die. Yes, they do. Death, by the way, is not failure. It's a decision. It's not failure. Uh, I'm not talking about drive-by shootings. I'm not talking about when somebody decides to walk in evil and the shield is not in place and they do the things that they do and they get away with stuff. They get away with kidnapping and murdering. They get away with, they, they you know, or I'll put it another way. Those things are committed. Those crimes are actually committed. But there is a cleanup. There is a power. There is a healing. There is a restoration. There is a turnaround. There is even a payback that comes from the kingdom of God. There, there is a, a strike that comes against the the realm of darkness that comes from the kingdom of light that will turn situations around. You know what? When somebody dies, when and I've, I've experienced, uh, we all have, you know, and to, for me, it's been just this week and other family members and stuff. And I barely heard that something was going on with them and they were already gone. And so I'm thinking of my relatives and thinking, wow, they're having to wake up in the morning for the first time knowing that so-and-so is not going to be there anymore and all this. So the prayers start to go out. Why? Because you release, but my prayers are not according to my understanding, but I simply release it by the spirit of God. What do you want me to say? And as long as I'm praying something in tongues that I, I can tell, it's a conversation. It's a release of words. It is turning things around. It is saying that this one will not be caught up in the sorrow. This one will not be so depressed. This will not take place. These are the will. This is the will. This door is open for you to come out of this thing. You're your sorrow, the sadness will be there because it hurts. However, your joy will not be diminished. You will walk in the power of the joy of the Lord and not let sorrow, sadness, and grief cause you to make wrong decisions, shroud you in a darkness that causes others to be able to steal things from you. No, that will not happen. And you will get the understanding and the clarity that you need to be able to press in and to move forward. And it, some would say it's easy for me to say that based upon what? You don't know my story. You don't know my life. But I will agree with you that it's easy for me to say it because I want it to be easy. I want to say what God once said. I want to change the frequency. I want things to move at a higher level. I want darkness to be destroyed and to, to remain under my feet. So if that's where you're coming from and you want to say, well, it's easy for you. Hey, hallelujah. Thank you for seeing that in me. But I'm going to push it right back at you and tell you it could be easy for you too. If you would allow it to be, it could be just as easy for you to speak words of victory as it is for you to speak words of despair and sadness and sorrow and darkness. You could actually 
actually turn the light on in your own life by refusing to speak in agreement with darkness and instead, which means again, you bow to it, you're underneath it, the words you speak guarantee that you're not going to be able to rise above it because they're not words designed to have you rise above it. They're words designed to have you submit to it. Don't do that. OK, that's the way that that happens to work. And so Galatians 5, 16, the next scripture. So I'm giving you Romans 8, 1. You have to walk, live and walk, not after the dictates of the flesh. That's the flesh is. Well, this is how I want it. This is what I feel. This is what I see. This is what I think. And you got to kind of look at your flesh and say, nobody asked you. You're not in charge. <laughs> We're not doing things the way you want them done. We're going to do things the way God said. And the flesh is like, fine. Nobody asked me for my opinion. Okay, fine. I'll just, I mean, let it throw this little tantrum. It can throw the tantrum, but it's not going to, it doesn't get to throw the game. It doesn't get to throw the plan. It doesn't get to throw you out of sync. It's like, sit down and, and, be, and be quiet and learn what you need to learn. Because honestly, when we speak the words of God that are and cause our flesh to submit, when the spirit words come out, when we operate as spirit before we're flesh, before, before we're a, a soul, it's, it brings health to the body. It brings overall health to you and it's beneficial in the lives of other people. And as long as we look at it from the from that fleshly uh, living in our body kind of thing. I'm scared. I'm this, I'm that and the other. We don't see beyond. It is only from the realm of the spirit, from that seated place that you get to see the entire picture, that you get to start coming into understanding why things are the way that they are. And you can begin to see, hey, there is a way for me to walk in the kingdom and do impossible things on a daily basis. And it starts with this choice to overcome. Now, now somebody said, well, I thought usually in our ministry, we say it to, it's by the choice to obey. Well, if you overcome, you did obey because he's telling us to do it. All right, here, he said in Galatians 5.16, and these are the instructions. Walk in, I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. I'm reading Amplified. Responsive to and controlled and guided by the spirit, then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. See, that's what he's talking about, that the dictates of the flesh are, I want to live without God. I don't want to hear what God has to say. I don't want to do what God is telling me to do. I don't want to hear none of that Jesus stuff. Don't be bringing me that Christian stuff. I don't want to hear it. I just want to be free. Well, that's a bound up person talking about, and, and it's a spirit speaking through the person that's telling them, I don't want you to evict me from the premises. It is, I have the influence in you. I'm not talking about somebody being possessed. I'm talking about spirits that have influence. And these voices have said, you've been doing what I told you to do. Just relax. Just forget it. Just don't worry about it. Just, you know, but they're not telling you the things that God, they're trying to sound like God, but they're not pointing you in the direction of God. They're telling you to do things without God. That is again, lowering yourself. And it's not at the, at the, at the frequency and not at the sound wave level that will raise you up and put that stuff under your feet. It calls for a reversal. You being depressed, 
you can get that under your feet and live in joy because God provided joy. God did not provide depression. Depression, they say, is a mental thing. And there are some people um, that definitely have to have help with this. But there are scriptures that you can still speak that will speed up the process. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8.10, is my strength. And that is my hallmark. No matter what I face, I have the strength to overcome because God has given me his joy. And I do not think it means laughing and screaming like a little maniac or something like that, but it is a force of the kingdom of God. It is the joy that comes from the throne room of heaven. It is the very person of the father himself. Apostle Baker has a book. We She's added some things. I thought last week would be the week that her book, Smile, Laugh, and Be Happy, would come out. We're working on getting it out this week, um, preferably by tomorrow, but definitely this week. And it is definitely this week. And there are some things in that book that as I've been going through the, the manuscript and reading stuff, this book has been ministering to me, even sitting at my computer and typing. And I have found, because I have, I take these very words that I'm releasing to, to us, that this I'm getting to release, but it's the spirit of the Lord that is speaking. And I hear these words, even when I awaken in the morning, and these are the words he speaks to me that then get released out of my mouth. These are the words that he has given me when taking communion, that he wants this to be said. It is him leading. It's not, I did it. And then God, no, God has directed the Lord directs your steps. It is the Lord who, who tells you, this is the way that I want you to go. This is what I want you to walk in. It is God's words that awaken us morning by morning with words um, in due season. This is Isaiah 50. I believe it is. I'm not rebellious. I'm not going to turn from what he has to say. And so what he keeps showing us is these are the instructions. This is the power. This is the spirit of grace speaking. And he's telling you, here's what you're going to do. Your mind says this is impossible to do. He says, no, I just set the standard for how you are to live. And if it were not possible for you, I would not tell you. The reason that it is possible for you is because I'm in you because you're in me. And because I told you to do it, that automatically opens the door for you to do it. If When he gives the instruction, when he gives the mission, when he gives us the assignment, then it is cemented or solidified, you shall succeed. That's the plan. He's giving you the assignment for something that heaven regards as finished, not something that nobody knows well, is this, is it possible to do this? Think about it. In Luke chapter one, when the angel came, Gabriel came to Mary and he called, he said to her to be of good cheer. And I'm paraphrasing this for real, but he said, you know, woman, a highly favored one, because God has chosen you to birth, to bring forth this anointed, this holy seed, this baby. Did she have the baby or not? Did she did when she said yes to the plan, did the plan happen or did it not? The answer, of course, is yes, she did. It did happen because God brought the word and said, this is what I have for you to do. Mary's part. He said, this is you. Now, everything else is not about you. It's about the plan. I think maybe y'all check it out and see. Is it possible that you've received plans from God? But the reason that it hasn't happened is because 
instead of taking the first verse that was about you, meaning I've called you to do it, I've called, I've equipped you to do it, I've anointed you to do it, this is what I have for you to do, that you then spent the next 10 verses making it about yourself. Oh, I just don't know. It just seems so hard. I, you know, God told me to do it. Can I do it? I'm not sure. And you go back and forth with all this stuff. It's like, no, you only got one verse. The other nine were not about you. It's about the the thing that you've been called to do. It's about the words that the Lord has released about it that fortify it, that guarantee its outcome. So he speaks and then he tells us submit. And then he does what he said that he will do. And all we are is the one that just follows along and lets the bag get filled. You know, it's like, oh, okay, I'm here. The favor is there. The instructions are there. The provision is there. The intent is there. I show up and do what he tells, pick this up, say this, release that, buy this, go there, do this, whatever it is. And ultimately he builds it. I tried for years to build a business. I wasn't really enthusiastic about it, but I knew some little things and it just never worked. God builds the business. The, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain unless the Lord builds the business. So some of y'all, you've had businesses for a long time and they've never taken off. You know why? Because the instructions have not been followed. And one of the instructions is to overcome, overcome lying, overcome procrastinating. I mean, there's a whole myriad of things for each individual. There's something or a series of things that we have been told to do that for whatever reason, we want to take 40 years to go around the mountain again and again and again. And we don't just want to take the seven days straight, you know, the short trip. We want to take the scenic route. Well, don't you get tired of seeing the same scenery, especially since, oh, well, I just want to see it in every season. Well, once you've done that, that's like a year that's gone by. Can't you at least get back on the program and finish the thing? I mean, it's like all of creation is waiting for us to finish the first step, the first instruction. It's just the first instruction. Overcome in the places that I have called you to overcome. The thing that sits in front of you that tells you that you're struggling, the thing that sits in front of you, even if it's something that tells you you're ugly, what a liar, or you know, you're incapable of learning. That is so not true. I'm going to learn the lessons from God. I don't need to learn the lessons from the devil. And whatever it is, I, I have to keep saying it because this is where I live. And I mean, and part of it has to be, I am, I, you know what? I don't, I'm not keeping you anymore. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. There just comes a moment when you really have eaten all of this that you're going to take. Popeye used to say, I've had all I can stand and I can stand no more. You know, and then he takes his spinach. I tried eating that canned spinach. It's nasty. I do like fresh spinach. It's one of my favorite things, you know. So I don't have the theme song from Popeye in my head, but there it is. I've had all I can stand and I can stand no more. I will stand no more for this. I will not tolerate another day of mediocrity. I will not stand for another day of, of being defeated by a donut or a cigarette or a person that is not going to change um, on this in this in this area for me. They will not change for me. I grow so weary at myself when I try to help somebody that has already decided I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do things the way I want to do them. And I'm like, sail on, do it. 
because I'm learning to cut that off and say, nah, you, you weren't called to that. All the focus you're giving on trying to get somebody else to overcome, you are, is, is, where are you? What is your place in, in, in your uh, assignment to overcome? So let me see. I've been talking for a while here. I don't see any questions, but I do want to, I want to look at something that we were talking about in our house. Um, it has to do with sonship. Uh, I think I've covered pretty much everything. Minister Frederick, you can let me know if I said something and left it dangling so that I can fix that. Um, but I believe really like we're doing this five stages of kingdom sonship and it's something that's in our training center. And um, we had looked at some of the components of the spirit of adoption and having the same mind and the vision and so forth. And we're going to explore a lot of that. But one of the questions when it was defining the first stage of sonship, when you're first born again and you are in the nephios or the infant stage and you're born again in the faith, but you're not ready to speak much yet. And you have to learn what to say. But some people want to stay on that bottle. They want to stay there. It's like you've been in this for a while. And God wants you, thank you for that. Um, God wants you to speak, but you don't want to. You want to stay with Baba because you don't want to obey. So you have to look at, am I also in my infancy? What is my degree of rebellion? What is my degree of refusal to do, to move forward and to grow up? I mean, I, I'll be around people and say, you know, will you pray? Oh, I don't want to pray. I don't want to pray. It's like, we've been praying together for a while. When are you going to open up your mouth? So therefore, how do we know that you are trustworthy to call? Or, you know, I'm talking about not putting the pressure on you. If we're in an emergency, then you can't be in the prayer loop because you won't pray when it's pretty tame. And so how do we know that you're going to, you know, because we don't need you doing a whole lot of stuff people do when they just repeat somebody else's prayers and, and put them all together, you got to put the bottle down and start getting into the conversation. You have to start moving from, you've been fed the milk where the milk was supposed to nourish you. And now you're going into discipleship because you're supposed to become aware of the spiritual matters. So that, and the first level is that you're a son of God. And, and how can you be his son and never talk? You see, because he gave you his voice, he gave you his mouth, he gave you his words to speak. So this is your first word is not Baba, it's Abba. <laughs> it's not bottle, it's father. And so you're recognizing that this is who you belong to. You're recognizing God as your father. And so you become grounded in that so that you can move on to the next stage. Now that scripture for that, I'm not going to go into it right now, but I think we kind of looked at it. Is, well, I guess I will. Galatians 4. We've got about, I'm only going to spend probably about 15 more minutes. And trust me, I've got enough in me tonight. I could talk for a few hours, but I'm not going to do it. Um, Galatians chapter 4. And um, we're going to look at verse 1. And what it says, as I say, the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave though he is master of all. And that word um, child in that first verse, Galatians 4.1, is that word I just talked about, the Greek word nepios. It's about N-E-P-I-O-S. And what he's saying is you're still a babe. 
You're under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. So you're being taught. But there, did you notice that that verse says, but there's a time appointed of the father for you to come to the next level, for you to start growing up into more. Uh, right now, you, you're no different from anybody else. You have to be picked up and taken and so forth. But the expectation is that you're going to become aware of what you are. As a son in the family, you're going to become aware of what you are and you're going to start moving forward to do more and to be more. You don't get to stay a baby forever. And you, what's more, the desire of the father is that you wouldn't want to. So you have to ask, and this was the first question on the sheet, in what areas of my spirit walk do I still behave or think or act or speak as a nephew? And one of the areas might very well be your refusal to get into this thing and begin to overcome in the areas that you have failed in before. But God, again, he has told us that his name is Jehovah Nisi, and he is the God that causes us to be able to triumph. He is the one that has, you know, that has let us know that he is the Lord, my banner. If you want scripture for that, it's Exodus chapter 17, where uh, the Lord after he had, um, after Moses had prevailed, it was one of those things where there was Joshua was leading the war or the battle and they were fighting against the Amalekites. This is Exodus chapter 17, starting around verse eight. And it says that when Amalek kept it, came and fought with them, that Moses said to Joshua, I want you to choose some men and go out and fight with Amalek. And tomorrow he said, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought. He Not just Joshua by himself, but the army that was with him, they fought with the Amalekites. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. I'm reading verse 11, Exodus chapter 17. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek uh, 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 prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy so that they took a stone and they put it under him. And so he sat on the stone. Now he's holding the staff all during this is hours, hours that he's doing this. And Aaron and her stand on either side of him, supporting his hands, one on the other, one side and the other on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. This is a very long day. This is a leader that said, I've you've been called to prevail. This is an impossible situation. If I were to tell you to hold up your hand, and some of you may dare to do it while I'm talking right now, keep your arm up until I tell until I say something to you. I'm gonna keep talking. But if you kept keep your hand up, you get we get barely a taste. If somebody's doing it, great, do it now. And um they um, had to hold them steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua defeated uh, Amalek and his people with the edge of his sword. And in verse 14, it says, But then the Lord said to Moses, Write this, a memorial in the book, recount in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses called, built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner or Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi. And it was the name that was given by Moses to the altar, which he built in commemoration of that defeat. But also, it also means uh, it was a symbolic name uh, of that, 
Uh, and there's a, I don't have it in this one, but it also means I'm the God that caused you to triumph where you didn't. You've utterly defeated this um, enemy. You've defeated this enemy so soundly, they will never be able to come back from it. In fact, you have de defeated this enemy so soundly that they will be removed from place. Their name will be blotted out, utterly destroyed, never to return again. That is what the banner does. That is what God is saying, that you have the grace to overcome these situations. I am the grace that will help you to overcome. You will prevail in this fight if you will show up. Somebody will be holding up an arm. Somebody is, is interceding. That's what Moses was doing with that staff in hand that the shepherd is saying, this is what you've been called to do. Go fight you will win the fight. I will work, you know, and, 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 and God put the two uh, to, to work with him so that he would not, I mean, come on, to have a leader, and we have such a leader in our house, to have one that would be unwilling to, um, to let her hands down. The word Aaron, the name Aaron, by the way, means light bringer, and the name her is a whole. So, um, he is the one. It, it means it, it. It means um, it just means whole. That's how they how they defined it. But can you think about that? It's like to me, the light bringer, the light bearer, put the put the banner in the hole, put a stake in the ground, and say, "I will not be defeated." That is the name of Jehovah Nisi, the banner, the God that causes us to triumph in the areas where we had not had victory before. When God brings victory, it is not simply winning a fight. It is utterly destroying the enemy. So it, we're talking about whether it's, like I said, anger or um, procrastination or uh, childishness or something to do with food or something to do with other habits, addiction, smoking, drugs, whatever. When you and I take on the battle, not to nurse that thing, but to destroy that thing in the name of the Lord, our banner, he goes before you. He prevails through you. He enables you to win the thing. He would even supernaturally give you the ability to hold your hand up or you would have angels standing by to keep your arms in place because there is such a commitment, such a determination to be able to bring about the destruction. There's such a... Um, that is the word I want to use, commitment. We are not going to let this thing stay with us anymore. These dwellers, and I think Amalek is just such a perfect example because the name itself means dweller in a valley. So these things that have camped in your life, camped in your heart, camped in your uh, mind, camped in your habits, camped in your finances, camped in your household, camped in your job searches, camped in your ability to succeed, camped in your vision, camped in your health, wherever it has camped, it is chosen to be a dweller in the valley. But when the hole, when the banner is put in the hole and the light comes and the arms are extended up, 
this thing cannot stay. And it is absolutely annihilated. And the, the, the memory of it will leave your cellular structure. You won't even know how to commit this thing to, to, to yield to this anymore. And mayhap, it starts with your words, with your decision that I will let the word of God dwell in me richly abide in me. I will walk not um, after the things of the flesh, but in the ways of the spirit. And the last part, um, this is Isaiah 50. I, no, I'm not going to go there, but I was going to talk about unleashing overcoming grace. I think we'll pick up on that because I think I've said enough. Anybody hold your hands up all the time I was talking? Um, if they're still, he's still up and still up. Anybody do that? If you did, um, go ahead and put it down now. And if you actually did it, just type in there. How did that, how was how that? Were you able to sustain or did you do this and kind of bring it down? Or did you have to bring your own other arm up to support it? How, how did that work? Because I've tried this a number of times. I, I've done this and I've started, I've gotten um, able to, to hold um, for longer periods of time. When I first started, it was like, forget it. I'm not doing this, you know, but I have, um, all right. Thank you, Minister Frederick. Um, that's awesome because we're just, we decided, no. That's the same attitude. I'm going to hold this hand up. I'm not going to let my arm, I'm going to hold my arm up as hard, as long as I can. Anybody that's ever done workout done, oh, good Lord. Um, planks, for example, are where you having to hold your body up and hold your body up and you're, you can feel your limbs trembling. That's just because they haven't been strengthened yet. So yeah, come. you, you say, I got to come down. We'll get back up. And stay longer. You did one minute, now do one minute and do 70 seconds. And then 80 seconds and 90 seconds until you you get something in you going that says, I will not quit. I'm going to stay with this and stay with this and stay with this and stay with this. Apostle Baker would talk about that being the speed of an algorithm. It's something that starts to go so fast. They say that um, a computer can move faster than a human, but a computer cannot move faster than God. And when the world starts to churn on the inside of us and the word of God starts to build that picture. Something starts to happen in us. A word comes and we say, wait a minute. How did I not see that? I submit to this word. I'm going to round it up with this. Go back to Luke chapter one. Mary was able to do what God said. She gave birth to that baby because he said that she would and she submitted to what he said. What has he told you about the thing that you have been nursing, nourishing, allowing to dwell in your valley? What has he said to you about health issues? What has he said to you about your finances? What has he said to you about your temper or being shy or being filled with fear or whatever the thing is? It's like, Lord, is this you? And of course it's not. I'm, there is the power to overcome. My first level is to say, I'm ready to destroy this in my life. I'm ready to stop making excuses. I'm ready to begin to walk in the victory that you put me here for. I have grace. You don't, you personally may have accomplished a lot of things that uh, somebody else is struggling with. Well, the reason is, is that that was not your thing, but, or maybe it was, and you overcame it. And then the strength, the momentum you got to overcome that was supposed to add to your ability to overcome the next thing and the next thing and the next thing until 
you come to the day. We come to the day where we're saying the prince of this world has come, but he found nothing in me because everything that has been his, Jesus is divine. We are the branches. What did he say? Everything that's abiding in me, if it doesn't belong, the father comes and takes it. That's John 15. He says, why? Because nothing that is of the world will live in Christ. It is the spirit of God. It is the power of his word that purifies us and enables us to persevere and to overcome. The perseverance is the staying power. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up on this. You know, the Lord said to me one day, because I had struggled, I'd begun to start struggling again with the whole thing with my physical body and this and that, things that I had thought I had overcome, but I failed. And I've talked about this before. I had failed to obey. So what does he do? He shows you how to start fusing together that which you, you know, to bring these parts together so that you come into a completion of obedience. It's like this, this is like, making this and making that, but one ingredient was missing. It's like, it doesn't taste bad, but it's missing the one ingredient, the vanilla extract or the, the salt, the extra salt or something. It's missing the one thing, just that extra little eighth of a teaspoon, which you didn't want to follow the directions. So you just kind of tried to making it up as you go. It's like, well, what you came up with isn't bad, but to make it look like this, to have it taste like this, if this is the taste that you have in you, the taste of success doesn't taste like mediocrity. The taste of success doesn't taste like settling for something. The taste of grace in our on our on our tongues and and coming forth from our mouths. It doesn't have the sound. It doesn't have the flavor of any of the things that we have settled for. And the taste of victory, this is why they say it's sweet, but it's a sweetness that cannot be manufactured by man. But God has created this desire in us to fulfill his plan. And it's no longer about, I just want to look nice for other people. Or I want this. It ceases to be about you. It becomes about him. I want my father to be pleased. And he, he loves us already. He's pleased with oh, his word that he has spoken in us. And it's not like you're going to get extra brownie points. But really what it is, is we're saying, I want to look at him and smile, knowing he's smiling at me. And I'm smiling because I'm looking at daddy and I'm saying, we did it. We did it. It happened. You, What you said you were going to do, here is the proof of it. They can taste this pudding. The proof of the pudding, you know, uh, whatever that expression is, the proof of the pudding is in, in the tasting or something like that. I used to know that expression, but I, I guess I don't eat pudding, so whatever. Um, <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. It's your ability. Somebody else can taste it. Somebody else can see it. You don't have to tell anybody. Your testimony is all over you because when you're free of something, it has a different smell. It tastes, it smells like the Rose of Sharon. It is everything that is kingdom and nothing that is of the world. So I'm encouraging you to let's start taking these steps. We've talked about this before and I'm not going to let up off of this. This is the relationship with God that we have always wanted the one to walk in sunship and to go, if you were playing video games, it'd be like, this is level one right here. You pass this one. 
you start winning in this, you win in everything in life because you refuse to take no for an answer. You only live for the yeses of God. The promises of God, remember, are yes and amen in him. And that's what you live for. No other sound will do. The world told me no, but God told me to do it. So since God told me to do it, the yes is there. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. That was the expression. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So no questions? Well, then I guess I'm done for tonight. We are tell astounding love, folks. You know it's time for the uh, tithes and the offerings and, and uh, the gifts and so forth. So this is your opportunity to do that. And uh, I know Minister Frederick always puts that stuff up there. So I have lots more to say, but I'm going to leave it at that for tonight. I know that this is possible for us. Because with God, all things are possible. And he would not, whatever he's called you to do, he has equipped you to do. He himself is the equipper. And so you can overcome. You are actually expected by God to overcome in whatever the areas are. You can lose the last 10 pounds. You can put that last cigarette out and never go back and the same with marijuana or any other vice or, or uh, substance or whatever it is you can. Delete that person's phone number from your text messages. You can put the block up and never look for them again. You can seriously be broken free of everything that right now you feel is wrecking your life. It was never, you were never designed to have your life wrecked by outside circumstances or man-made substances or any of the rest. You were put here to let that thing, that spirit know there is a God in heaven and by God, he's about to introduce himself to you and you are defeated in my life. Next time, uh, uh, somebody remind me this, we'll talk more about the word of God and the frequency by which you cause these circumstances to bow. But this week, you do the bowing. You bow and submit to him and say, I'm ready for this. And let him talk to you and nourish you and start building you up and prepping you. And 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 in and, and even little things, you know, he'll give you that picture and you'll start seeing what you look like as an overcomer. And it's pretty hot, I got to tell you. So that's all I'm going to say for tonight. I love y'all so much. Um, I want to encourage you to... Pay attention to what is going on in your life. Be uh, led by the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Read those scriptures and, and go with that. If you have questions, you can post them even here, even after the broadcast is over. I encourage you to watch it again and take those notes and pose your questions. These questions come to us. We know about them. Or um, I think us in the comments, you can also reach out to us on Facebook Messenger and we will hear them. We will see them. We do release these words over you of the same words that I speak over myself. The Spirit of the Lord is the one speaking them. So they're applicable to you, too, you know, for you to flourish and bloom where you plant it. I love you. I love you supernaturally. I love you astoundingly. I love you. And I bless you with the words of the Lord tonight. My name is Lindsay Lee. I'm the pastor of Astounding Love Global Church Fellowship and Training Center. And remember, Jesus don't play that. So if he don't, you don't. I love you. See y'all next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>